The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. This season is going to be different than the previous season. I think it's a lot of positive things that we have and we need to, to be ready for another exciting, exciting season. It's not been a good season so far. What has gone wrong? Projects have an expiration date, and usually it's after success, and the expiration date feels like it's coming before it with this club. Further frustration for Tottenham and Mauricio Pochettino. I haven't got a trained eye. Even I was shocked at the way they played. Explain to me what that was all about. What are the implications for Mauricio Pochettino? What has gone on? Breaking news this evening. Tottenham have sacked Mauricio Pochettino. Jose Mourinho is the new Tottenham Hotspur head coach. I realised that during my career I also made mistakes and I'm not going to make the same mistakes. I'm going to make new mistakes. The potential of the club is huge, the potential of the players is great. We cannot win the Premier League this season. We can. I'm not saying we will do. We can win next season. Let's get straight to it. There's only one question. Yeah. Brave decision by Tottenham or foolish? The more I think about it, Rebecca, I'm going down the brave line. The biggest personality the Premier League has ever had is now managing Tottenham Hotspur. And Pochettino did a great job over the five and a half years. Built a football club but didn't win any trophies. Poch ticked so many boxes, but there was a cross in the silverware box. In terms of Jose, he doesn't tick any of those boxes, but gets a huge tick when we come to trophies. Not one tick, he gets 20 ticks, Rebecca. And I would go a little bit further. Champions League final last season, Spurs v Liverpool. If this guy is in charge of Spurs, I think we might have a different result. I go back to 2015-2016. Spurs chasing down Leicester City to win a title when the big boys weren't all, all playing well. If this guy's in charge of Tottenham, they might have a Premier League title. He gets the job done. These consequences, and I know that's going to come, but right now Spurs are not particularly playing well, a little bit dysfunctional. What harm can he do? I think Levy's done some good business. Silverware is surely, Kyle, the name of the game. Well, and it is, and, and you'd say if you're after Silverware, this is the best manager in the world to go get. And, and I agree with so much that Robbie just said, except for the last thing, what harm can he do? I mean, massive harm. That, that's the thing, is what's the cost of a trophy? And I'll say the same thing I said before he got the job at Manchester United. It's always a risk. What are you willing to, to give up to go get a trophy? And essentially, you're putting your club as collateral against going to get a trophy. And I mean the history. I mean the, the, tradition. I mean the, the pride right now, of a club. Kyle, aren't they? The club are slightly dysfunctional. Yeah, but, I, but in, no, I mean, listen, you know, Pochettino gets fired and writes a message on the board, tell the players always be with you and whatnot. When this guy leaves, he leaves with a flamethrower. And, and I'll just say, listen, I think it's a brave decision from Levy. And, and I agree, there's massive upside here. I, I see that. But it's, it's illogical in so many ways when you consider who Daniel Levy is. It's a huge gamble. And I'll say that it, it's like playing poker and, and having a straight and waiting for that, that last card to complete that straight on the river and betting it all and saying, I, I got to win this. And, and Jose's that because... Think about Daniel Levy for a second. Mm. Doesn't like to part with money. Here's a guy that, that put the most desirable coach in the world on the market. Every big club wants Pochettino. Every big club had a chance at Mourinho for the last year. None of them wanted him. And then you go look at, they've never signed big, big, big transfer window. Never spent a lot. He asked for huge money. Never signs uh, older players. He always wants older players and longer deals. They've They're had that them- conversation, though, Cal, before he's taking the job. And, and I'll throw one other thing. And so he's convinced thing. them he'll be different this time. 
he, he may have to be different. Let me throw one other thing in. Let's just say Eddie Howe got, got the job. Eddie Howe deserves a chance. What does that give Spurs? Does that guarantee you trophies? They'll play nice football. Does that take them to the next level? Does that get the media standing outside on the touchline waiting for it to happen? Does it make Spurs more relevant? This guy in 12 months could change this football club, so, built off what Pochettino's done. So, so to- totally agree. And listen, a lot of the things are there. A defensive team that can counter well. There's a lot of great ingredients. That's, That's a, a really good, good football That's team, That's a right? good group of players. I just think, man, you, you made a huge gamble. And also, you're giving them £13 million a year reportedly, right? You're, you're a guy that says, I don't pay people big money. He's going to be one of the highest paid managers in the world. What are all the players going to say when we've come to ask you for money you say no to us. You just paid this guy that no one wanted on the market in terms of where we want to go. Thirteen million. The problem with Pochettino's reign is, in fifteen or twenty years' time, Rebecca, people are going to look back. Spurs fans are going to look back, and, and they won't remember the great football. They'll see the top four finishes, no trophies. This guy might leave this football club in two years with an FA Cup and or go back-to-back FA Cups. He will win something at this, this, or, this football or I guarantee Or he it. signed a deal to 2023. He's never lasted an entire contract. They've signed him this past thing. Or he leaves and Spurs are, are in one of the worst positions they've been in in a long time with an FA Cup or a League Cup trophy. Or Mourinho's changed and Daniel Levy's changed. He has slotted in nicely, Robbie. Yes, I thought he was a little bit sheepish in going to the Spurs fans. That relationship's going to take some time. I, t- I guarantee you, in that locker room now, the Spurs players are learning all about Jose Mourinho because he'll be praising them for the football that got them 3 3 0 up. But he'll be talking about the two goals they've conceded. And if you're going to be winners, if you're going to get silverware, if you're going to go over the line, Jose Mourinho's team manage games better. And um, they've dropped 12 points from winning positions so far this season. That's the most of any team in the league. That won't happen under his watch. Interesting, because Andy Townsend said it in commentary. In a funny way, perhaps Mm. allowing West Ham back in will give him so much to work on, and he'll be able to now see maybe what the problem's been firsthand. Now he's got something to get his teeth into. Yeah, I, I honestly think it's a good thing they conceded those goals. I mean, you want a perfect, you want a clean sheet, you want a perfect day. I think for Jose, he needed to remind the team that that's still there. I mean, it, they've conceded more goals than Leicester and, and Sheffield United combined. I mean, they were a terrible defensive team at this point, and Jose is excellent at making teams. That's the first thing he did at Manchester United. First thing he did when he got to Chelsea. First thing he did when he got to Real Madrid. I mean, that's kind of the thing he starts with. And it's good that they showed some of those signs of, of the demons they still have in them. But, I mean, <laughs> love him, hate him. It, it doesn't matter. The game needs him. And we're lucky to have him. I mean, he is pure entertainment. And, and Spurs have so many ingredients to do uh, something miraculous or something completely tragic. And, and we're going to be here front row to watch and, it. And I thought Deli Ali signified what could be good about Jose Mourinho. It looked like the old Deli Rebecca, oh, setting yeah. balls up, confident. flicking balls on the ball, confident. He could just go to another level, which may, might take Spurs up there. With that would him. be a masterstroke if, mm. he, if he finds Deli Ali. Goals from Kyungmin Song, Lucas Mora and Harry Kane were enough to give Tottenham all three points this morning against West Ham United under Jose Mourinho for the first time. Here's the special one on his first game on the side. I was really happy for one hour. Obviously, I was very, very happy. We were uh, playing well. We were bringing to the game things that we trained a little bit, but we spoke, we spoke a lot about it. And... Um, I was really happy and we had the 4-0 to, to, to kill the game. Uh, I think we are lucky that uh, I have so many years of Premier League that I told the players at half-time, even if we score 3-0, minute 85 the game will be open and I think they understood that. But for the, for the last 20 minutes, of course, fatigue, people coming from from national team, uh, all the emotions lose their manager, another one comes, um, start working with me, trying to show even my experience, trying to control uh, their emotions, their intensity in training. Of course, they went, uh, I think, above limits for people that was coming from national team. So fatigue, cl- clearly fatigue in, in, in the last 20 minutes and also a reaction from a very good team with very good players. And uh, the coach tried different things with... Uh, with Antonio and um, and Haller and playing more direct and trying to put the ball in our box and to avoid our our pressure, so um, it was not easy. But 
I, I liked very, very much um, our first 60 minutes, really, really uh, not just happy with the work, but also enjoying. And um, I think the most important thing in the end uh, was not today to, to win 3 or 4 nil or to play wonderfully, wonderful, was um, doesn't matter how, uh, the three points were fundamental for us and uh, the boys with that um, maybe also mental barrier of so many months without uh, a way win and uh, was very, very important. The boys are happy and that's what I really wanted. I wanted them to be to be back to happiness and uh, nothing better than, than to win a football match than be happy. And as you say, that first 60 minutes, particularly the first half, was, was excellent. But to pick out one individual, were you happy with Deli Ali today? Because he seems he was enjoying himself out there. You know, I'm happy with anyone. Um, but if you ask me if I'm happy with Deli, yes. Because uh, I spent a few minutes with him uh, in training and, and also in, in our social life uh, outside the, the pitch. And um, we were speaking, uh, the best Deli has to be has to be back. He has. He's too good. He's too good for not to be in the national team. He's too good for not to be a fundamental player for uh, for Spurs. He's too good for not to be one of one of the best players in the world. So he has to develop. He has to 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 start from from now. Hopefully without uh, without injuries. Uh, hopefully with with some uh, stability also by the tactical point of view. And um, he's a fantastic player. And and today he showed so. I'm happy that he's him and not probably another player that um, is in a better position than him at the time. So the first game under Mourinho is done. The first win is in the bag. Carl, what is the most important thing that Jose Mourinho has to change about himself to succeed at Spurs? Ooh, yeah, I, I was just thinking um, Deli Alley could improve a lot over, uh, um, under Jose Mourinho. I was also thinking Jose Mourinho can improve a lot at Spurs. It's a totally different job than anything he's had before. And if I wanted to be sort of granular, I'd say maybe this January Levy, which is unusual, gives him the opportunity to spend to improve where they need to improve, which is the holding role that we saw Dyer play today, that Winks will play, that Ndombele play, but no one has really owned for a while. Um, That's a technical need. That's a player acquisition need. For, for Jose Mourinho, he, he's got to show humility. I, I just, for the first time ever, we, you're the greatest. You're one of the greatest. We all know it. We know how many trophies you won. You don't have to stand in, in, in conferences and count them out for us. Show a bit of humility because there's a group that needs to believe you'll change as well with them. You agree? I thought, yeah. And I thought today, Rebecca, he, he said something there, the boys are happy in the dressing room. Do you know when I, I look at him today? He looks happy. This is where he wants to be. He can do his dossiers for 11 months. He can sit on, in Sky Studio and do puns. What he wants to be is in the dressing room, around players working. And he but talks about Delhi happy? Well, and, and stay happy. But, but the, the important thing is, I think his time out this time might be different. I think we might see a different Jose Why? reflective. Because the league was going on without Jose. He wasn't part of it, and I think he got a little bit like, wow, I'm a big guy here. He needs this job at Spurs as much as Spurs need him to come well. But what, what he did say is, if the players work with me, they'll get better. And I agree with him. If you work with Jose Mourinho and do what he says, Spurs will become a better team because of that. You're excited a little bit for this, aren't no, you? Robbie? I think this could be a, a, a good I, union. I, I, I Mourinho's back in the heart. I hope it's a rebirth of Jose Mourinho. I, I, I really do. There's, there's, if, if the time away changes him, oh, I mean... There's still greatness there. Pre-season and really in the early stages, many people have been saying it's that two-horse race, Liverpool and Manchester City. But, gentlemen, if we look at the title race now Mm. and the top of the title with Leicester City sitting in second, Chelsea in fourth and that big gap from fourth to fifth, Robbie Earl, Mm. is it a four-horse race? Three horse for me, Rebecca. Okay, so who are you getting rid of? I'm taking Chelsea out of there. Frank Lampard said yesterday after the Manchester City defeat, we're coming, we're we're getting better, and and I think he's right. It's three for me. The big two, obviously, Liverpool and Manchester City. But Leicester City, Rebecca, of 2015-2016 had that remarkable year when they surprised us all. And every time we kept saying they can't do it, they proved us wrong and did. This time around, they've still got Vardy, they've still got Smichael, they've got O'Brien, who know what it takes to win the title. They've got a great young group of players and they've got an ambitious manager. They're fearless. And in football, we say goals win games, defence wins titles. They've got the best defensive record in the league. They're 25-1 to to win the league. Bearing in mind, when they last won it, they were 5,000-1. to Would you put £10 or $10 on 25-1? to I don't know my wallet. I would do it right now. I don't have my wallet on me. 
I mean, I, I think they're, they're a little bit bigger outsiders, Rebecca, just because of this, this depth and, and stature of the two, two other big clubs. OK, just to give you those, sta um, those odds, Chelsea mm. are 40-1, to one, Leicester 25-1, to one, Manchester City are 9-4 to four, and Liverpool 2-5. to five. Mm. Kyle, four-horse, three-horse, two-horse? I, I agree with uh, three-horse. I agree with Chelsea being an amazing project that's just not ready yet, and that's fine. I think finishing top four is an incredible accomplishment for a team that's in a bit of turmoil and transition. Leicester... Um, you know, Warren Buffett has this amazing saying, uh, the last one on their tippy toes misses the parade. We, we almost missed the Leicester parade last time, 5,001, because, like Robbie said, every week you asked us, and every week we said, no, they can't do it. They, they couldn't possibly do it. And I honestly think this Leicester team is better than that one. Now, I mean on, on, on paper, the ingredients, the youth, Brendan Rodgers, what he's building. That, that other Leicester team was almost on autopilot. They'd been together for so long. Ranieri kind of got out of their way and let them do what they'd done, getting promoted, staying in the league and chasing it. And this one just, I don't know, I, I wouldn't sleep on them. There's this amazing stretch of five days in December. I think it's the 21st to Boxing Day where Leicester plays Manchester City and then Liverpool. They could be, you know, they could be right there nipping at Liverpool's heels after that. Liverpool's perspective, eight yeah. points clear. <clears throat> Surely can't lose it from here, can they? I don't think so, Rebecca. And, and a couple of things have stood out to me. The mentality at this football club has changed. There's a steeliness and a belief about the work they do. Nil-nil yesterday at Crystal Palace. Second half, I'm thinking, they'll find a way. They'll get this done, as they did. One-nil away to Aston Villa a couple of weeks ago. With ten minutes on the clock, they win the game 2-1. They find a way. There's a, there's a belief and a desire that's been bought by this manager that's going to take them, I think, to the first Premier League title. It's an intriguing title race so far as we head towards December. There were Arsenal fans who were questioning your abilities to take this team forward. Do you finally understand that and do you believe that you still are the man that can restore Arsenal's fortunes? I understand then 100 percent because uh, they they didn't uh, watch in the, their team uh, like we want. But uh, my 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 job is uh, is uh, to find solution and and also uh, I, I understand they are disappointed now. Five games without a win now in the Premier League. What's gone wrong? Is the pressure, the expectation, getting a bit too much for the players? I don't know exactly. The, the only thing I can say is, uh, we as a team, as a, as a player, we 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 will try to 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 continue our work. Um, we have to find a solution together, and um, I think we have to to stay strong. We know that we are men, and uh, we have to, to 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 carry on. And yeah, that's it. Ralph, we saw the pictures of you on the pitch at the end. You could clearly see your frustration. Just how frustrating was that result at the end of the day? Yeah, I think we had big chances for three, four, five goals. And, yeah, I mean, it's a pity then you get the equaliser, I think, in 96 minutes. So, uh, overall, I think it was a fantastic performance from, from my side. And... Uh, this is something we, yeah, we needed really. I think uh, we were very brave today. We played in front also when it was in the end, and we tried to go for the third and had chances. Yeah, and we must score in this moment, and then we win this game. But uh, yeah, the belief you could feel in every moment, and the players did a fantastic job today. I must say it was a very, very good performance. Tough day for Southampton in the end, in a way. The groundswell of opinion in amongst the Arsenal fans I've spoken to, listened to, watched, is that. Emery's time is up. Would yeah. you be surprised to hear that he's lost his job if it comes today or tomorrow? No. Five Premier League games without a win, Rebecca. He's been at the f football club 18 months. Doesn't know his best system. Doesn't know his best 11. Doesn't know the tactics. Yesterday, he goes into a game against Southampton, sitting 19th in the league, haven't won for however long, with three centre-backs. Then takes one of those centre-backs off at half-time to try and get themselves back in, into the game. <sighs> My worry... If, for, if I'm an Arsenal fan, is that he doesn't look like he's in control. He doesn't look like he's got the tools to get this team out of the funk that, that, that they're in. And, listen, you, you, you can say what you want. The, the, the appointment of Jose Mourinho at Spurs will have put more pressure on Arsenal now to have to do something. Kyle, the word is that the Arsenal board are looking at the game yesterday and then the next three in the Premier League, away at Norwich, home to Brighton, away at West Ham, all that they see as winnable games, as a block, and after which they'll make their decision. Would you go along with that being a, a wise move, wait until then or, or act now? 
I, I never understand that we'll give him a few games, um, especially when it's been this long. It's, mm-hmm. it's like that's such a small sample size. You know enough. You have a mm-hmm. huge sample size. And, and Robbie just made really cogent argument on you haven't seen enough out of a huge group mm-hmm. of data points. Why would, why would you leave it to a few games <laughs> yeah, to make yeah. this decision? It, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense free. unless it's really close. And it can't be really close at this point. And, and the other day when, when he switched from a back three to a back four, Another thing, and I agree with everything you said, I'll just add another piece. He finishes games how he should start them. Uh, so often he finishes with, with the strike partnership he should have. He, he finishes with a midfield that has balance. He finishes with a back four that allows them to attack. Mm-hmm. And you think to yourself, it's taking you every single game to figure out who you should be that day. And yeah. that, that's just yeah. not, not good enough. And, and you, look, you look at him in the back, I mean, and he goes into the football club and we said, we've got to give him time. So in some respects, Arsenal have been standing still. But at the moment, I feel they're going backwards. It's one of the problems, maybe, who they bring in. Well, this wasn't, you know, the group that's there now, this isn't their guy. You know, they didn't bring in Emery. The people making the decisions and making the call, you have to say, this is not on us. Let us fix this because we're here now. There is one world-class manager out there who's available. Mm. Uh Oh, dear. And so the topic of the boot room has to be the new Tottenham manager. We saw the brilliantly told story there of the final year under Maurizio Pochettino (laughs) at Spurs and it really gave you understanding of why many Tottenham fans have struggled so much with losing Maurizio Pochettino. But the future at the moment is Jose Mourinho. We started this (coughs) conversation at the beginning of yesterday's show, but we had to stop because Tottenham were playing. (laughs) Let's carry it on. We know the upside to Mourinho joining Spurs. Carl, I'm going to start with you. And that is, of course, a big chance of silverware because he's done that everywhere (coughs) he's gone. People and you both talked yesterday about potential damage that he could leave at the club when he goes. Mm. Let's talk in detail. What kind of damage could he do at Spurs? Um, I, I think debt and, 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 and discontent. I mean, that's, that's kind of... You leave recently with what Jose Mourinho has done, if you take Manchester United as his last project, with a, a bigger job in terms of transition than you had before he got there. And if, it, if it's just because you want trophies, it, it may come, but... The, the, this is the hardest job he's ever had, and, and he has a pretty stable group. Listen, the, the performances haven't been good. The results haven't been good. Pochettino, um, for reasons that we understand, is, is no longer the manager. But Jose is going to do what he's done in the past. He's, go, he's not going to look to youth, um, which, which hurts a side that relies on it and has brought up some talented young players. He's going to ask for um, aging veterans on high salaries. He's going to ask for a lot of money in transfer windows. And if he doesn't get any of those things, he's going to attack the chairman. And so it, it's, it's what just happened with Ed Woodward. There were, there, were, you know, there were planes flying over with Ed Woodward's name on it uh, over Old Trafford. And so he, he's going to say... I'm drawing a line in the sand. You're either on mine or you're not. And Daniel Levy is the one that's drawn the line for Spurs every single time there's a big decision. This is the first time that it's not Daniel Levy's line anymore. And if people don't get on Jose's side, he, he could be quite destructive to this club on his way out. I'm not so convinced by that, though, I have to admit. I think Daniel Levy is a smart businessman, and he will allow Jose a little bit of, of latitude and, and give him his ability to pick players. But I don't think Daniel Levy is going to spend the kind of money. Joe Luis, the owner, they're not going to spend the kind of money that's going to put the, 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 this club in, in debt. But Jose's but, going to be okay with that? Well, that they don't spend the money? He, he, here's what's different Jose Mourinho needs Spurs as much as Spurs need Jose Mourinho. Neil Ashton talked about he wants to be in London, he wants a big club. There isn't many bigger, there isn't many more in London that he's going to get. This is a big job for Jose Mourinho. You ask the question, Bex. You know, what, what's the worst thing that he's going to leave? Let me tell you what Jose Mourinho would answer that. The League Cup. The worst thing I'll <laughs> leave you is the League Cup. Because yeah. that's what he does. I'll give you maybe the least um, valuable prize, but I'll get you a prize. Now, for me, when I think what, what's the worst thing that he could, what could, could happen, one player sticks out to me, Harry Kane. He could be the decision maker on whether... Harry Kane's part of him and Harry Kane stays. Or Harry Kane might think, this ain't for me. 
and he might, with the relationship they have from Pochettino, decide that he wants to go somewhere else. And if he decided this ain't for me, yeah. because of what? What would Harry Kane not like about... Maybe Jose the way Mourinho? they play. Maybe that we, we've seen centre-forwards play for Jose Mourinho who don't get much, many chances, who don't get much play. All those midfield players who join, who join in with him are now defending, sitting in front of the back four, and he's playing as a lone striker, just having to feed on little scraps. Harry Kane's going to say, I'm, I'm captain of England. I, I'm the big-time player. I, I'm not going to have that. Now, I don't think that will happen because we saw yesterday how the midfield's already joined in. But if you're saying what are the worst things that could happen, them losing one of their own, their captain, the guy who's been the, the figurehead of, the, of that football club up from a playing point of view, that would be what I would say would be the biggest step. Well, and they're going to lose Christian Eriksen this January. I mean, Jose Mourinho saying, I don't know if he's in his heart or in his mind to stay here. i got to find all that stuff out. Mm -hmm. That's not Jose's fault. That was a problem mm -hmm. that came when he got there. Isn't Harry Kane going to say, or probably his agent, uh, remind me again, how much are you guys paying Jose Mourinho? Oh, thir 13 million a year. Remember when we asked for a lot of money and you say, we don't spend a lot of money on wages, we're spurs? Um, I'm going to call you out on that now, and I'm going to say, okay, I'll stay. 300,000 pounds a week. Harry Kane's going to get it. What happens to the rest of the team when they say, hey, guys, Harry got 300,000 pounds a week? So I guess we have a new uh, pay structure because Jose is getting paid double what Poach well, was. Well, perhaps Daniel Levy, despite mm. his reputation that you rightly pointed out as being quite close, he keeps the checkbook quite close, mm. Perhaps he has realised that he has to change. Correct. Could that have happened? Da Daniel Levy, and, and Robbie must have said it in our podcast, sorry, Cal, no, no. that the reason Jose's been bought here is for Champions League mm -hmm. and Premier League. Daniel Levy knows what that might take. Now, he might say, here's a budget. And Jose's been out a while. He's spent 11 months with the dossier. He's been talking to people about players. He's got a great coaching staff around him. He might already have two or three players who he thinks plug him in. And by the way... Like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's going to have like 38 This group of players are better than the Leicester City group of players that won the title in 15 16. But here's, here's the other problem. is last time. Remember the last time Spurs spent a lot of money? That didn't go very well. After Gareth Bale left. Yeah. So, so this is not a club that's proven... In the, in the last decade, that they can spend money very well. So here you this have a guy who historically... by the way. They haven't had Jose, though. He, he, he has spent jo money. Jose just spent a billion yeah, pounds yeah. at Manchester well, United. Well, None of those well, players yeah. even play anymore. Well, you also forget. Jose, Jose <laughs> Fred, yeah, Fred's doing amazing. Look, look at the tick list of when he went in at Chelsea. Yes, he spent a lot of money, but he delivers. No, but Chelsea were close. Chelsea were right there. This, Every this, club this has taken over. This, this team I'm sorry. Every away. club that, that Jose's Top taken over. Finishes. This, this team is, is not near winning a title. Every club that Jose's taken over has either won a title in the last couple seasons or were close right when he got there. I mean, listen. This will be the most amazing job ever. If Jose Mourinho gets them close, if he wins trophies, mm -hmm. I, I will eat so much crow because it, it – and I do see the upside. I, I think both of us agree. I think mm -hmm. you're a little more positive on it. This is a massive gamble from Daniel Levy. Of course I it's kinda, a gamble. I kind of like Any it. manager going in I, is but a gamble. Like, I've said you've got to know the cost Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe giving him the job as a Bournemouth served his time, good apprenticeship, ready to go. That's a gamble. A different type of gamble. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Any manager who comes in is a gamble. I, I'm with you. I, I, like the, I like the gamble. It's just we got to be realistic about what he's betting. The little right signs now. you saw yesterday of Deli Alley and on him. I like, yeah, I like the early All signs. All those little early signs just say they've got real Aren't gaffer. there always they've early signs, though? I mean, there's, there's, there's always but Jose early signs. They're like, oh, he's back. You he's see, the you, best. You he's you happy. You see you Emery doing a press conference at Arsenal, and you kind of go, hmm, is he in control? Is he really? You look at this guy and what he's got there, the opportunity that he's got, maybe I his last right. chance. I, I really, I hope for all of us. It, 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 it would be, be amazing if, oh. if he's the Jose magic He, he, he Jose becomes again. a special one again. A, yes. a, and the one thing to add is that the Spurs fans are so desperate for a trophy that the away mm -hmm. fans were the hardest to please yesterday yeah. already singing mm. Jose, Jose Mourinho's name mm. in the crowd. Robbie, the pendulum swung back and forth in terms yeah. of the opinions of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer from you two throughout that game in a yeah. way. I know you want to give him credit for the change in terms of substitutions yeah. and you were saying they came with four up front at the end. But where do you stand on how much credit he comes out of this game or how much concern you still have? Yeah. Um, listen, you have to credit, they were 2-0 down, Rebecca, and have ended up drawing 3-3. They got to, to a 3-2 lead. But we're talking about Manchester United. We're talking about a promoted team, Sheffield United. I know Sheffield are playing well, 
But the better team overall, the team that played more suited to their style, the team that looked better with the system, was Sheffield United. Manchester United had a good spell in the game when it got desperate. When they needed something, when Oli had to gamble and chuck players on and say, well, have a go at it. Well, that, it shouldn't be what Manchester United about. There should be a bigger plan, a better plan, an understanding of strategy. There's quality players in there. Now, maybe he's got to look at some of these young players and the attacking players and maybe start with some of them on the pitch. But if you're going to play them, Rebecca, you've got to have good, experienced players around them to see them through. What do you think, Carl? Um, I, you, can, you can give some positives. I, obviously, getting out of there with a point based off of where things were headed, how abysmal they were in the first half. You, you say um, some of that credit comes into Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's category, but the concerns are still there. And I, I remember a similar thing before Jose Mourinho lost his job, where they started games slow, they were timid, uh, the, 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 the formation, the tactics weren't really there, there was no identity, there was no verve, um, there was no creativity, and then they would go down, and he would chuck on a bunch of attacking players, and they'd go back and win games. And that happened for a little while before finally they said that's not who they are the, the identity wasn't how they finished the last 20 minutes mm. it just take takes so long and then they're just talented incredibly talented players at the end of the game and wilder let's just give him i know i know this is all about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer but i mean you saw them celebrating and they got to be disappointed because they outplayed Manchester United and had a terrible 10 minute period where they couldn't string a pass together and and they still i mean this team to play Manchester United like that pretty incredible Wow. <laughs> what a game of football that was. Now, from a Manchester United perspective, Graham, electrifying seven minutes, they get three goals. But how alarming was that first half performance? Oh, very alarming. Uh, you know, to think that you can change your system to a back three because your opponent doing that. Obviously, McTominay, as I said before, maybe that was part of the reasoning behind him going to a back three, looking for that bit of security. But, I mean, it completely backfired. Uh, Williams, who I thought, got looked much more comfortable in the second half when he played at left back. You know, he, he had a torrid time because he, positionally he, he, was, he was caught in the face of the wing back for Sheffield United and they couldn't get any space. You know, we hardly spoke about Rashford, 15 touches in that first half. Um, and credit to Sheffield United, they were, they were just absolutely all over Manchester United, particularly in that first half. And deserved a point in the end, didn't they? Oh my goodness, absolutely they deserved a point. I mean, it was heart in the mouth moment wasn't it the the review on on the VAR but um but no they they showed great um attitude desire identity passion I suppose you know in the in the face of it Ollie um ro rolled the dice and and just tried to play chaos football with mm. the creative players and it so nearly paid off for them but they've got it they've got to find a system that gets the best out of their players that's not born out of desperation. Yeah, Oling McBurney with the equalising goal. There was those few moments with VAR, bated breath around the stadium. Check complete, goal given, 3-3. Let's get the views of the Sheffield United manager, Chris Wilder. Chris, how on earth do you assess that? Won it, lost it, and got a result out of it. So, yeah, it's uh, Man United have uh, opened us up for, for, for 10 minutes. Obviously, their first goal, getting themselves back into the game was was a little bit disappointing from our point of view. We, we just lost a little bit of energy, gave the ball away a couple of times and just said to the players, oh, we're not in League One now. When, uh, you've got the likes of them four at the top of the pitch. If you lose a little bit of energy, turn the ball over, they're going to punish you, and they did. So full credit to Manchester United uh, to get themselves back into to the league, but I think full credit to Sheffield United as well to getting a result out of a game I think we deserve something from. How good were you for that first 70 minutes? <laughs> we weren't bad. We weren't bad, so... Uh, yeah, we were comfortable and in control. Um, they had to take risks, you know, I remember guys stepping out. So, you know, they, they were going to overload us in certain areas and they had to show a reaction, didn't they? They're 2-0 down away from home and Manchester United and they did. So, you know, Oli, as I said, can take a great amount of credit for, for getting them back in the game and obviously getting them to a winning position. But, you know, we're, we're a little bit disappointed, but uh, I don't think we really, I think we're for... A couple of hours on, we've had a couple of beers inside us. I think we can look back at a you know, really good game of football. We've gone for it. We're touched, you know, I think I think Graham said before the game about our attitude towards this division. And I think you've seen that today, our attitude towards whoever we're playing, especially here, we're gonna have a go at you. And we might get undone a couple of times and today we've got undone, but we've come roaring back and uh, and, and got I believe a deserved equaliser. Be completely honest with me. You've lost a goal by the length of a toe at oh, Tottenham on the What was going through your mind? I was going in. I was just going to go in the change room and, you know, 
Uh, as I've, uh, you know, obviously we've celebrated, you know, we've scored in the last minute against Manchester United to still Man United no matter what and uh, and get a result in a, obviously a, a topsy-turvy game and then somebody says, well, there's, not, there's a situation there that might get ruled out and you just sink yet again because obviously we had that a couple of times last, uh, last week uh, at Spurs um, and it's obviously something that everybody's trying to you know, the timing of it all, and it just takes away a little bit of the emotion out of the game because I looked quite foolish um, if you've had a camera on me when we scored and then obviously it gets disallowed. Well, he was made to wait while VAR made their checks, but the goal stood. Ollie McBurney off the bench to ensure Sheffield United a point, which, of course, denied Manchester United all three. Here is the United manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Well, is that one of those games where you almost need to clear your head to analyse it? <laughs> uh, it's football. It's uh, sometimes it's beyond uh, tactics. It's beyond because the passion and drive of the supporters' first half, the energy of uh, their team compared to ours, such a big difference. Then we get the goal, and our energy comes back in, the belief comes back in, and uh, the difference between uh, this team and last year's team is huge because. In two, what way? A 2-0 uh, down, I'm thinking, I'm, my mind's going back to Everton. Everton. No doubt about uh, uh, the, the drive, the energy, the attitude of these boys. They never give in. Uh, last year we would have been 3-4-5 down. Uh, this is such a big, big stride forward for them, coming back from 2-0 down to 3-2 up. And then, of course, towards the end, some things like that happen. Why do you think you were so poor for over an hour? It's not uh, not something you can uh, put your finger on here and now, but they looked like they wanted it more than us, believed more in what they did than us. Uh, but that's, sometimes it's um, little margins here and there, but we never had a shot on target. Or maybe we had one first half. That's not acceptable. It's not good enough. But uh, the response after they went 2-0 uh, up was fantastic. What was the catalyst for the change in your mind? When you're 2-0 down, you've got to go for it, play with less fear, uh, just just express yourself and just make uh, make things happen. Uh, first time Dan probably got round them, put a good cross in, and what a, what a finish by Brandon. And then uh, Mason scores. So the, the average age of the goals today were less than 20, and that's something we're proud of. It's not, uh, not that we... Uh, this, it's... Great experience for Brandon, Mason and Marcus to come back. Because at a stadium like this, that's never easy. Is your overriding feeling, the disappointment of having lost a game that you were winning, not lost, but obviously not taking all three points, yeah. just taking the point, is that far greater than had you slipped away? As you said, like Everton, there would have been very, very different headlines tomorrow morning. It's, it's uh, mixed emotions. You, you can't be happy because uh, we've not performed in the majority of the game but then the attitude and the way they've turned things around and we've shown what we're capable of and these boys probably show show themselves what they're capable of if we're right we can uh, go to places like this and we should should win games like this but you've got to learn from that um, disappointing first 60 70 minutes thank you ollie pleasure Manchester United sitting in ninth position, a third of the season gone. Carla, I have to ask you this question because it would be remiss of me if I didn't. Maurizio Pochettino is on the market. Should mm -hmm. Manchester United fire Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and get him in? Absolutely. I, I, I think it's impossible to make an argument against that. Um, Pochettino is exactly what they need. And when we had this conversation before, um, when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer hit the rough patch and things were, were turning south... We, we we toyed with this idea, and I said no then because I thought they had no chance of getting Pochettino. So I said, you know, don't don't put yourself in a position where you're going to have to fight Daniel Levy is something you never want to do. Daniel Levy has given you a gift, and he doesn't give gifts to anyone. <laughs> Go take it. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be disrespectful to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I mean, the, the evidence is there that he hasn't progressed this team, and when they've been at their best was just the big bounce they had at the beginning – Without real identity or, or real image of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and what's he, what he wants to do. I mean, Pochettino is the best manager on the market right now, and he costs you nothing. You know, go get him. Yes, fire him and get him, Poch. Yes, I would no. say so. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, Rebecca. Only because 
Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at the moment is keeping Manchester United afloat. He's treading water. They were where they are. When, Phil, when you make a change and bring Phil Jones into your team as a third centre-back, let me tell you, Phil Jones, honest, you know, decent lad, he's not a Manchester United uh, centre-back. We've seen over the, the years... he's been there for ten years. Ten years. We've seen ten years of mistakes. We've seen ten years of the things that happened today that he takes him off at half-time. Now where's Phil Jones? What, do we wait another six weeks and then we put him back in again? Sometimes as a man, you've got to make those big, tough calls. And sometimes as a football club, you've got to make big, tough calls. And a big, tough call is to say, I'm going to let this legend go because we have a chance of one of the top five coaches in Europe mm. who can come and build this football club. OK, so you both think they should. Do you think they will? No. No. I, I think no. Ed Because the guy in charge yeah. won't make those kinds of decisions and doesn't understand the, the football enough. No one has the, no one has the courage or, or the, the nous to know this is the time that you have to do something like this. If a discussion hasn't ha happened with Pochettino, hasn't happened with his agent, which is tough to do because that stuff gets out, then, then um, we're, we're, we're in a situation where they're just going to ride this thing down and pass a mess you, to someone else. You could even give, him to, give Ollie the summer. Say to Poch, OK, take some time off, get yourself together, See do the, the dossier, like See you in the summer. Like they did with Pellegrini and, and Pep. Yeah. You do, do the same thing. Say, thank you so much, it's been great. Mm. We're getting Pep because when he's available, you go get him. When yeah. Poch is available... You have to That's... go get him. Brendan Rodgers, he was fired. He was a great coach. When Klopp is available, mm. how many coaches are they going to miss mm. by, by convincing themselves they haven't made a mistake? That's a good point. There are five managers that we think uh, are in trouble in terms of their job. Unai Emery, Manuel Pellegrini, Marco Silva, Kike Sanchez-Flores, despite the fact that he's already been he's come in for another manager who was fired, and Ralph Hasenhurtl. It's so not safe out there. To it's not. There. It's a no. dangerous job. If you, are, if you are the chief executives of all those clubs, hmm. who would you, out of those five, who do you think is the priority to be fired Im immediately or soonest? Unai Emery at, at Arsenal Football Club. Because after 18 months of him being at the football club, spending some money, I'm more confused than the day he walked in. Are there three at the back? Are they 4-4-2 four, four, diamond? Are they 4-2-3-1? Who's the best 11? Who's the captain? Who's the captain? Mesut Ozil was in, Mesut Ozil was out, Mesut Ozil's back in again. I'm like, every week I'm scratching my head with, with, with Unai. Who would you fight tomorrow? I, I would go the same because the upside is, um, is huge in terms of some of the ingredients they have. Mm. The structure at the football club is there behind the scenes now. Um, Unai, in a way, is still a part of the link to, to the, the Arsene Wenger era that they have to truly move on from, where they have... Adu, they have um, Snelli, they have all, all this, this brain trust, this huge group of people that know what this football club needs, now have seen it for a long time and understand not only what they have to purchase, but where they're strong, what their academy looks like. The only thing they don't have is the manager they wanted. You know, this new group has come in um, after Mislintat and others tried to create this scenario. So I, I think you get a new manager in there. Ars Arsenal have enough good things there to make this club strong. I feel like this is the meanest goal zone we've yeah, done for well, a while, but that's who you both would choose to fire. Yeah. Who do you think out of the five, I'll say them again, Emery, mm. Pellegrini, Silva, Kike, Sanchez, Flores and Hasenhurtl is the most likely for us to wake up tomorrow morning and who have gone? Marco Silva at Everton. Neil Ashton said to us earlier, all the rumours that, that David Moyes has been set up, whether it's... David Moyes. Get, ...go back in of short term or whatever. When you look at, at the form, when you look at, at what's been... Delivered week in, week out. I, I, I wrote down the, the losses. Aston Villa, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, Burnley, Brighton, Norwich this weekend, Rebecca. Norwich, who, didn't, who struggled to beat anyone this, this season. I just think Marco Silva's on, on borrowed time. And, and what are we waiting for? Are we waiting for a couple more games to, to confirm it? Or are we waiting a couple more games for him to have a little bit longer? This, the, this marriage between Marco Silva and Everton, I'm afraid, is going to end badly. Their next five, Leicester, Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester United and oh, Arsenal. So. Mm. Um, Maybe somebody might not want to take the job uh, to well, those five it, games. Absolutely. Is it therefore the right time or a bad time for a new manager? Because it's the right time, isn't it, to change the manager without fixture list? The right time to change a manager is when you realise it's not the right manager for you. And, and I, I just, I never understand that let's, let's give them a few more games. We talked about it earlier. Let's give them a few more games. No. I, I think you have to ask yourself, how many games do you need to see 
And how, ma- how many of them have to be bad for you to say, we don't have the right guy? And, and how many players do you need to see off of their game b- performing below their level? Mm. How many fans do you have to see walking out early? Like, what, is, what is your line where you say, we've got to make a decision? It can't be, well, if he wins the next three games, we're going to yeah. keep him. That's, that's, a, that's a coin flip. And we see one game of, of Marco Silva's Everton, and we go, oh, that's better. That looks more like it. I think it was West Ham a little while ago, and that's what they can do. But we've barely seen it. And then that, we right? go back to yeah. poor, poor performances, bad defending, like strange tactics. Okay. Would you stick with the other three right now? Pellegrini, Kiko Sanchez, Flores, Ralph Hassan, Hurtle? Would you stick with yeah. those three? Yeah, I, I, I would because I think, think Kiko Sanchez, Flores might be on, on, on dodgy. Oh, that, that's sure, a, yeah. that's yeah. an ownership group that might just say, one more change. We can make one more change to give us a chance to stay up. Well, basically, right when you take the, the Watford job, your, your job is in jeopardy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the day you take it. Yeah, yeah so you th- there's a possibility they possibility. could make two they could managerial make two changes, changes to Christmas. give themselves another chance second half okay. of the season. I mean, well, Watford, bah, humbug. Of the Welcome in studio, Ahmed Farid with my friends Robbie Earl and Kyle Martino. Let's start with the big news mm. about Manchester City. Another injury for them. Sergio Aguero going to be out a few weeks with that thigh injury. They're stacking on top of each other here with Sonny yeah. and Laporte and Zinchenko. This is mm. becoming a problem for Manchester City. It is, and just when you look at the league table there, you're so used to seeing Manchester City sitting top. They're in third. You talked about those injuries. We know they've had them defensively. Laporte out. It's been, been a huge loss for them. They've had to play Fernandinho at the back. To lose Sergio Aguero at the top of your pitch is a big loss. I know Jesus can come in there and Sterling can play there. But 13 goals in all competition absolutely guarantees your goals in games. Big games, small games, whatever games. He wants to score goals. And so you just get the sense that there's a few tears coming in Manchester City. And I'm not talking about muscles, just a few little wrinkles. And they're nine points now behind Liverpool. Big weekend in the Champions League again for them. I just wonder if their sort of focus might start saying... Premier League, maybe to the side, our focus is Champions League because that's the thing that they cover most. And as the thing that the squad gets a little bit thin, they might have to start making some options. You mentioned the depth a little bit there. They, they do have depth. They pride themselves on that. Do they, do they have enough of it? Well, uh, maybe not for two competitions. And that's mm. what Robbie's talking about. And I think he's right where... Um, it's who's injured, not how many injuries there are. And and totally agree that, that Aguero is a massive injury because he's irreplaceable. Gabriel Jesus is a ready-made and hungry to get some opportunities a strike striker that comes in. It, it's it's the fact that Aguero injury is so big because of the, the injuries in the back line, not setting them up to be able to give a striker three or four or five really good opportunities a game. So mm-hmm. Gabriel Jesus isn't as clinical as Sergio Aguero is. And so now you have a situation where um, you talked about Laporte. I mean, that's the irreplaceable figure where now across the back line, Fernandinho has performed the best. He's not even a center back. So I, I think he's going to have to start to prioritize um, other competitions. The problem is... Knockout competitions are the ones that you need to be as tight as possible yeah. in the back, and they're yeah. not. Yeah, so the, you really can't lose or, or win the Premier League title in, mm. in November, but you can expand that lead. And so it is yeah. an opportunity here for mm. Liverpool. Do you feel like they take this opportunity to step on the gas? Absolutely. There's a mentality that's different about Liverpool this season. Go back to this weekend, 0-0 Crystal Palace half-time. In the past, that's a, t- that's a tough one for, for Liverpool. Maybe end up with a draw or could possibly lose. They win the, win the game 2-1. A couple of weeks ago, they, they were, um, I think three weeks ago, they were 1-0 down with Aston Villa with 10 minutes to go. They win the game 2-1. This guy has got a mentality of the football club, wherever they play, whatever game it is, about making sure they win. And you talk about Champions League and whether they might prioritise the Premier League and put the Champions League to sign it. And let's remember, they are the the champions uh, of that competition. He has said today, Jurgen Klopp, every game we play, we go out to win. 30 games straight straight unbeaten in, in the Premier League. This club just continually wants to win matches. Yeah, and they're buying themselves a cushion because we expect them to... We have to expect them to be a bit shaky down the stretch with what's at stake. Mm. Every time they've come close, go back to Brendan Rodgers, down the stretch, it's you know because of the 30 years, because of what's at stake, they will get a bit jumpy. But they're, they're, they're buying themselves that nice cushion right now, and Manchester mm. City's helping a little bit. You know, the cushion might not be there because of Leicester, not, yeah. not Manchester mm. City. I mean, Leicester's a group that last time we made that mistake, we're not going to do it this time. They're there, and, and, and they're fit, they're young, they're hungry, and they're almost like young enough not to get worried about getting down the stretch. I'll tell you what's been interesting as well this, this weekend that Leicester City took the team on, on a, one of those team bonding kind of drinks 
away to Copenhagen. They did a similar thing in 2015-16 when they won the title. You think <laughs> Who's of, in there? Well, your that's guess is as, as good as, as, as any. Brendan Rodgers probably, I believe that's Casper Smichael. But what, what Brendan Rodgers has done is taken the pressure off the boys, said before the, the big Christmas games come in, let, let's have a bit of fun, let's have one beer or maybe two. And then he, he, he's got his group together. Now, Liverpool got big game against Napoli. Getting ready mentally starts to drain you. Manchester City got a game against Olympiacos, mentally drained you as well as physically drained you. Leicester have had a nice week where they can go away, have some rest and be ready to come back in the Premier League. Impressive performance from Aston Villa, a team that came in losers of three straight, taking on a team that did have the momentum yeah. and was playing very well in Newcastle. A convincing performance from them. Yeah, three points well earned and well needed. Um, you can see what it's done to, to their position in, in the league. It's the kind of three points, Ahmed, when you've come off three straight defeats like Aston Villa, you go into the Aston Villa cl- club now and everybody's smiling. The dressing room's happy. The tea lady's happy. Everybody just feels better about things. And now you can look forward to going to Old Trafford next weekend against Manchester United with a little bit more confidence. And if you were going into that game with four straight defeats, it would feel a whole lot different. Nothing more important than making the tea lady happy. <laughs> yes, yeah, and, and, and making your manager happy. Yes. You know, um, I, I think Dean Smith has done a really, really good job. And we spoke to him um, at Spurs mm. when uh, they had that tough, game great, great performance, yeah. kind of like we were saying before, but a, a difficult situation where they didn't walk away with anything. And, and I just – I was impressed with him that day and I think throughout this whole stretch where you take your confidence from the manager sometimes, where if you're in a bad stretch and you see it's wearing on him and, and mm. I'll use uh, – Fulham last year is an example of when he starts changing things and not trusting people and kind of throwing darts at the board to see what will work. The fact that he stayed committed to this group and has kind of led from the front, you know, it's almost like they never lost that confidence. So a result like this is something hopefully they can build off of. And they got a really tough schedule coming up too. So this is one of those that can maybe propel you. And they got Jack Grealish back in the team and back playing. The value of having such good players like, like Jack Grealish, you cannot imagine. When a manager doesn't have him and he's injured, you can't moan about it, but you just know how much difference, how much difference he can make. And we saw tonight, the two free kicks came on him. His ability to knit the team together, he's a little X factor that makes yeah. him special. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC Podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. I'm Rebecca Lowe. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.